0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 882 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Friday evening, and thank you as always for joining us on the podcast today. I am the managing editor of PeachtreeHoops.com, as well as a contributor at Dime on Uproxx and the host of this podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. If you're not, thank you as always for joining us and plenty to get to on today's podcast because it has been nine months to the day, but the Hawks return to action tonight at Safe Farm Arena for the first time since they took on the Knicks on March 11th. A lot has happened. The roster is much different now, but uh, there was a buzz, I would say, in advance of this game, even though it's a preseason game, it's still an exhibition, nothing really matters, quote-unquote, about this contest, but we'll talk about it and all that stuff, but there was a palpable excitement, I thought, in advance of the game, after the game, etc. Definitely a weird night in a lot of ways. Uh, The league is not the way that it used to be in a lot of ways, but... The Hawks played basketball, they were excited about it, and we'll talk about the game as we always will on the podcast. If you're a new listener, again, I will stress that I do a podcast after every single game for the Hawks, with uh, I would say very, very few exceptions. And then, of course, fill in content before, after, in in the middle of games, etc. But post-game is a staple, and we'll go through the game as we always do today. There was some news-ish stuff to hit on in terms of uh, injuries and roster management that we'll touch on here at the top of the podcast. And then after a break, we'll get into the game flow, as it were. And then the last segment of the podcast will be sort of some player-by-player evaluations with some audio from Lloyd Pierce. So plan to get to here. At the top, the Hawks did not have their their full complement of guys in this contest. We knew already that Chris Dunn, Anika Kongwu, and Tony Snell would not play. That was announced by Lloyd Pierce first on Tuesday and then again on Thursday in uh, practice, I would say post-practice zooms. But then Pierce also revealed on Friday that uh, actually Kongwu was clear for contact, which is a good step for the rookie Lottery pick, he practiced on Thursday. It's definitely a step forward for him. We'll see how that translates for the rest of the preseason. But uh, good to see that he's making progress, as well as, uh, of course, Snell and Dunn as well. The full report uh, in terms of injuries in advance of the game dropped on Thursday with um, Cam Reddish actually listed as ankle, um, probable with with ankle soreness. Clickapella was questionable with ankle soreness, and Rajon Rondo was doubtful with knee soreness. Also, it was revealed that Tony Snell has been self-isolating due to COVID-19 protocol after he was exposed to someone that has tested positive. He has not tested positive himself. Again, he has not tested positive himself, but there you go on that. Um, from there, Pearson announced on Friday that um, Reddish and Capella did play, and they played um, well in a lot of ways. We'll talk about those guys later on. Rondo, Rondo did not play. He was in the building, though. He was active on the bench and in uniform, but he was not in the lineup tonight, and um, the other big news, if you want to call it that, and I will, I will definitely, I would say, dampen that down a little bit, is that DeAndre Hunter got the start at the three for the Hawks. So, as I said previously, this is not a huge indicator, I don't think, of what's going to happen in the future, but it's definitely a data point towards that. Um, on the game notes, I actually, I actually thought it was pretty funny, KevinShanardofHawks.com found this out before I had even seen it. But the Hawks listed Solomon Hill as the probable starter (laughs) for uh, this game at small forward, which is a little bit of gamesmanship from Lloyd Pierce, I think. Um, Whether that was going to happen at any point was uh, not really relevant, but there you go on that. Uh, In the end, it was Hunter over Reddish. Uh, It's worth noting that Reddish was listed as probable originally in this game, so at least it was on the injury report. That might have played some factor in this, but I think everyone's expecting it's going to be one of those two guys at the three to open the season. Lloyd Pierce is always the last couple of weeks, deferred his decision um, on the starting lineup as a whole. Not just, that, not just that one spot. I think most people are now assuming that the other four guys, Trey Young, Bogdanovich, uh, Collins, and Capella, are written in, uh, let's not say ink, but uh, certainly pencil. Um, and then there's the fifth spot, which I think everyone's assuming will be either um, Reddish or Hunter. On this night, it was Hunter. But if you're a new listener, or if anybody missed this, Pierce has deferred all questions about starters to... His decision on December 23rd, which is of course the day of the regular season opener. So, I won't. I'm not going to tell you right now that Hunter's going to start on that on that opener. But it's one data point. We know at this point in time that he started. He played well, and uh, there you go on that. So that's all the lead up. As a result of all of those uh, injuries and roster management stuff, the Hawks only had, and I say only, they had 13 guys available for this game. They had 11 guys who are not two ways. Um, The two-way guys that both actually played in this game, Nathan Knight and Skylar Mays, but um, it was 11 guys. They basically had a first unit, a second unit, and then uh, Solomon Hill played the least of the guys who were uh, um, non-two-ways in this game. But they had plenty of guys to look at. I will say some of the rotational stuff is interesting. We'll talk about some of it. But it's also worth pointing out that a lot's going to change when you start to factor in Chris Dunn and Rondo, and Akangwu, especially, Tony Snell is pretty easy to plug and play if they want to do that as a 3 and D wing, but the other guys are all sort of unique in their talents, so we'll see how that all goes in the future, but that's sort of setting the stage for this game, the Hawks and the Magic are teams that are going to be competing for the Eastern Conference playoffs in a lot of ways, but uh, both teams were shorthanded, and uh, keep that in mind throughout this entire time. Okay, before we get into some game flow stuff and how the game actually went, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is BuiltGo. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, I can break through it right now with Built Go every single day. And Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and it's natural. Built Go is easy to take. a One and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or your pocket, get you through whatever you're facing today. Built Go is essentially a five hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body. As a result, and there are three delicious flavors to choose from in chocolate, mint, peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut, Built Go is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to on a regular basis, and sometimes I need a little bit extra to get through the day and the night, but Built Go is a fantastic solution to break through my own wall in order to try it for yourself. Visit builtgo.com. use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. Alright, so we'll dive into what transpired on the court, and again, as a reminder, we'll sort of do the game flow and then some individual breakdowns later on. Uh, Early on, it was kind of a mess. I will say this, it's a preseason game, that's not a surprise, I know there was lots of anticipation for this game in particular, but the long break and the short offseason, the short training camp lends itself to some ugly basketball in some ways. so that kind of was the case early on. DeAndre Hunter got the first points of the season for the Hawks, at least in terms of the preseason, with he was fouled on a three. It was a nice early lob from Troy Young to, to Capella. Um, also, the nice lob, uh, a nice lob attempt, I thought, from Collins to Capella, which you like to see those guys playing together, sort of a high-low action there. Um, rotationally, it was Gallinari um, on the floor first, uh, alongside Cam uh, Reddish. Those were the first two guys that came in off the bench at the same time. Um, they sent Bogdan Bogdanovich and John Collins to the bench about six-minute mark of the first quarter. Um, from there, about a minute later, they brought in Br- Bruno Fernando, Brandon Goodwin, and Kevin Herter at the five-minute mark. So they used the first ten guys in about seven minutes. They were definitely trying to keep players under their certain uh, thresholds um, in terms of minutes in this game, trying to use everybody, be sort of egalitarian through that lens. But the Hawks started this game off 4-17 of 17 from the floor, 0-7 from three, and with five turnovers in the first nine minutes. They trailed by 13 points, and that's really the difference in the game. Obviously, the result, again, does not matter a ton, but it was a bad start for the Hawks. That was kind of the difference of the entire night. From there, they played reasonably well for a lot of the rest of the game. Um, Danilo Gawinari had a nice imprint pretty much right away when he came in the game, scored five straight points. A nice buzzer from Brennan Goodwin to end the first quarter, cutting the lead from 11 uh, down to 8. But the Hawks still did not shoot well in the first quarter, 8 of 23 from the floor. Orlando played well early, especially, especially Dwayne Bacon. Um, later, though, in the half, the Hawks did rally in a big way. They started the second quarter on a 7-1 to 1 run. They went, actually, interestingly enough, they went to Herder and McDonough together in the backcourt with Reddish on the wing. That was a good that was a good lineup that actually worked out pretty well for them. And a good look from John Collins that I made note of Two-game Reddish for an easy bucket out of the high post. They ran some offense with John facilitating that I thought went pre- reasonably well anyway. Out of a timeout though, they came back with Trey Young and actually moved Collins to the five. Um, Collins played the five multiple times in this game, multiple stints. Not a huge surprise without a Kongwu, but worth noting for sure. There was a conversation before uh, the game started about sort of the Hawks not having a ton of center count <laughs> a ton of centers, I should say, on their roster. Um, they have plenty of centers in my in my view. Um obviously Collins will not play all five. He'll play some four and probably majority four, but he's still gonna play some five on his team, especially without a Kongwu. That happened quite a bit in this game. Um, a gorgeous uh, cross-court pass that I made that I made note of from Trey Young to DeAndre Hunter for a corner three to give the Hawks their first lead of the game in the first half. And they came back with Collins at the five again later on in the second quarter, but with Gallo next to him. The first time around, they went sort of the wing-heavy lineup with Herder Bogdanovich. Um... Yeah, Herder Bogdanovich, Reddish, Hunter, and Collins. And the, the last time, they went to uh, Gallinari at the 4 and the Collins at the 5, which, interestingly enough, is a lot that I think we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. Um, there was one really, really impressive shot from Cam Reddish late in the first half. He had, I guess it was listed about a 29-footer. It was a very, very long, deep 3 from Reddish with no hesitation at all, and that's a shot that you love him to be able to take confidently and make. I'm not sure he'll be a knockdown shooter from there just yet, but the fact that he was able to take that is uh, probably a good sign for the future. Also, nice flourish from Collins late late in the half, just kind of being active, doing John Collins things, playing quite well. Um, the Hawks only shot 35% in the first half overall, but a lot of that was that was that rough start. From there, they actually played pretty well. They beat up Orlando on the offensive glass. They had 11 offensive rebounds in the first half and then uh, actually made six out of their last ten threes in the first half. And quite honestly, there was a lot to like before halftime. The numbers were not very good, but the young guys were aggressive. The new additions made some plays. They missed some bunnies. They had some turnovers. They had some sloppiness. But I thought there was actually some pretty good takeaways to see from that first half. The third quarter was uh, not exactly ideal for Atlanta. John Collins got his fourth foul early on. And then uh, aside from a nice no-look nutmeg pass from Trey Young to uh, Clickapella for a layup, it was all Orlando. A 20-4 to 4 run by the Magic to go from down 3 to up 13 for Orlando there. The Hawks turned the all over quite a bit in the third. They had 8 turnovers in the period. They had 6 turnovers in about a 7-minute period um, in that quarter. So, other than some nice passes from DeAndre, uh, sorry, from Kevin Herter, who I thought played very well in that quarter, um, there wasn't a whole lot to write home about in that quarter. A nice verticality play defensively from Gallinari on defense that stoned Cole Anthony at the rim, but... Other than that, they got kind of walloped in that quarter by the Magic. A little bit of a letdown there for Atlanta. The 4th was much better. They scored the first 5 points of the 4th quarter, including a 3-by-Hunter. And then Hunter had a nice drive through contact for a 3-point play early in the 4th. It was a 15-5 run for Atlanta to tie the game. Um, but from there, they kind of ran out of guys in a lot of, not necessarily at bodies to run, but because Pierce was trying to keep a cap on the minutes, they ended up playing the last six minutes or so with some pretty ugly lineups. You have, you know, Skyway Mays, Nathan Knight played the last six minutes of the game. Pretty hideous basketball on both ends of the floor because Orlando had the same problem. It was John Teske, my guy from Michigan playing center for Orlando, etc. So at the end, the rotations were not what you would normally see for either team. And it became a little bit less interesting as a result of that. The Hawks did play well and fight to the very, very end. Ended up losing it um, narrowly, but they they had a chance in the final minute. So that's all you can ask for on that front. In terms of big big picture stuff, the Hawks did not shoot the ball well in this game. 37% from the floor, 10 of 32 from three. They got to the line 41 times. That was a huge factor. They made 34 of those. That's a big, big positive. But they had 23 turnovers as well. It was an ugly preseason game in a lot of ways. Well, it's not a, again, not, not a surprise, but there you go on that. You know, Defensively, they played okay, at least by their standards. I think Orlando definitely helped them out a little bit. And when their starters were playing Orlando, I mean, they were much better. The Hawks had much more success against Orlando's bench units. But when it was Vucevic and Fournier, etc., Orlando really walloped Atlanta. So that, that's kind of concerning on some level. But again, it's a small sample size, and it's preseason. My whole takeaway... For, from an exhibition game like this, is not to not to panic about anything really. You have to not worry too much about much, but just a, just a small takeaway that they did lose the minutes against Orlando's best players. Other than that, not a whole lot to get into. Um, we'll, we'll touch on player stuff in a second, but there was some. I think broadly speaking, the Hawks did not play well necessarily by you know regular season standards, but given how long the layoffs been, the training camp. There were enough flashes where you could be pretty pleased, I think, with the way the Hawks played when the game was actually competitive. The guys who were here actually relying on, um, with a couple exceptions that we'll get into in a second, played reasonably well, just had some hiccups along the way. So, hopefully that makes some sense. We will dive into the individual stuff in a moment. Before we get to that, a word from our sponsors on the show today. For the final segment on the podcast, I always, after every game, talk, talk about every single player that appeared on the court to some varying degree. Just want to put that out there. It's something I do un- intentionally, I will say. It's just kind of go through everyone that played, talk about them a little bit or a lot, depending on what happened. And uh, that's sort of the format of the post-game podcast. We'll do that We'll do that again today. In fact, we'll start on the bench. Um, the guys who came off the bench in this game, knocked them out real, real quickly here. Obviously, Nathan Knight and Skylar Mays, both, both two-way guys making their debuts as rookies. Neither were particularly impressive. Mays got to the line four times. That was good to see. But those guys were just more in bit duty. Um, obviously, we'll see more of them in the future, but not going to see a whole lot of them this season unless something goes terribly wrong. So we'll move on from there for now. Um, in terms of the headliners off the bench, we will talk about Kevin Herter. Um, I'll play some audio for you a little bit later from Lloyd Pierce talking about all the young wings, but Herter, I thought, played quite well in this game. He didn't shoot well. He was 3 of 11, but actually got 2 of, two, two of 5 from 3, which is just fine. Um 8 points. Three assists, a steal, and a block. He was pretty aggressive, was plus five in this game. I was encouraged by the way he played. It's a good example of this, the box score not only really telling you everything that's going on always in the game. Um, I thought Kevin was... I would say one of the strengths of his game is the fact that he's he's so versatile. That's sort of underrated about him. Also, weaknesses on his front usually are that he's not the most aggressive guy in the world. In this game, he was more assertive. I thought he played like he was uh, you know, motivated to get some time, obviously. So that's good to see from him. We'll come back to that. But I thought he played well. Wanted to note that. His passing especially. His cutting was good. Uh, he attacked the rim a little bit more than he usually does. So some good stuff there from Herder. Brandon Goodwin was not fantastic. He had 7 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. He played okay. First step from the from the floor, one of three from three. Um, I didn't notice him like being bad or anything. Defensively, he brought some effort to the table. He played more than he will just normally because of the absence of Rondo and Dunn. But you know, he's he's a guy who's a capable third point guard who who could step him in, into this role at any point in time. So there you go on that. Um, Solomon Hill ended up, ended up playing 15 minutes in this game. He was the 11th man for the most of the competitive portion of this of this of this game tonight. That's probably going to be Hill's role on this team. He's been lauded already for his work in the locker room as a vocal leader on the bench, etc. He can play a little bit. I think that's that, that's still the case. He can guard a little bit. He can shoot a little bit. He had a steal and assist and a rebound 15 minutes tonight. But uh not, not nothing crazy to write home about in this contest. The guy who I thought played probably the worst, unfortunately, was Bruno Fernando. And I know he had eight points and nine rebounds. So that that his numbers look fine through that lens. He was not very good. In this game, he was kind of shaky in terms of uh, getting blown by defensively or getting blown through by Vucevic, and not really necessarily being in the right place at the right time. He was communicating well, I thought. That's good to see from Bruno. But one of those things where he just didn't have it in this game. He was kind of a liability in a lot of ways, and I don't, I don't want to overstate it either because it wasn't like he was just completely ridiculous. But I thought Bruno struggled when, when compared to the rest of the guys on the bench, and you know we'll see how he looks in the follow-up from this game on Sunday against Orlando again. But um. A reminder that he probably isn't going to be in rotation unless something happens or someone else is unavailable. But there you go on that with Bruno. Um, Danilo Gallinari, I thought played well. 14 points, four rebounds. He was plus 14. Got to the line eight times. Something about Gallinari that I think is very underrated. We talked about when he signed is that he gets to the line a lot. He's very crafty. He's you know, I will say <laughs> he's very slow. And, that's not, and that kind of is a knock on him. I think defensively, that's what hurts him a little bit. He's kind of robotic in that way. But he is so crafty offensively. And I think we knew this at the same time. It was good to see that right off the bat. Eight free throw attempts in 20 minutes. It just kind of speaks for itself. He's such a good scorer. He's a varied player. He actually only shot one of five from three. And that's going to improve as well. So nothing to worry about whatsoever. With galanar I, I thought he played well. And then lastly on the bench, Cam Reddish. 23 minutes, 13 points. Eight rebounds, three assists, did have six turnovers, which is definitely something to circle. And uh, I'm not, I'm not I'm going to play the audio for you now. And uh, Lloyd Pierce talks about Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and De'Andre Hunter in the same clip. So we'll talk about Hunter a little bit later on the podcast. But here's what he had to say when he was asked about the way that his young wings played in this game.
1: The good and the bad, you know, Cam is uh, is tremendous. He sets the tone for us defensively, but then you see the six turnovers of just playing so fast. And that's, you know, that's still the youth in him. It's kind of how he started out last year. Um, but I thought he did some nice things. You know, and, and Dre, obviously, might be a career high free throw attempts for him. Um, and that's the mindset. You know, it's one of the things we wanted to focus on was to get into the bonus. I think we did it in pretty much every quarter except the first. Uh, but I thought his mindset was tremendous. He was attacking the rim. He was getting to the rim, and that's why he shot the eight free throws. Um, and then Kevin. Kevin made two big threes. Um, you know, I think if we can get him looking to attack, he had two or three plays where he was in the paint. Um, one, I thought he could have had an and one or a foul on the layup. But um, they're all doing some good things. I think it's one of those one of those areas where, you know, we should feel we don't miss a beat when we suck. And Cam coming off the bench tonight. Dre starting us out. Bogey had some clean looks that didn't go down. And Kevin came in and had a couple good looks and a couple good plays. We shouldn't we shouldn't miss a beat if we sub and get our legs going uh, with those four guys.
0: So you hear that from Lloyd there, and you know I agree with all of that. You know, Reddish was out of control at times. something that plagued him a little bit as a rookie. The flashes are really, really impressive. I thought I thought defensively he played extremely well in this game. Um, there were some handsy moments, for sure, maybe when he got, he got a little bit tired later in the game, but he's, he's such a good playmaker defensively. He's already so good defensively that it's really encouraging whenever he's able to flash that even more. Offensively, there were some nice moments, a nice pull-up off the dribble. He has a little bit of that mid-range game already established. I think he's a little bit out of control at times, and the turnovers were... I would say kind of jarring at times. You do not want your secondary playmaker, a guy who's going to be like your third or fourth option offensively to have six turnovers in 23 minutes. That's just a lot. But he's confident, and that's, you know, in the preseason especially, you can let him cook a little bit, not have to worry about that as much, and I thought he played quite well. As a transition now into the starters, we'll talk about Hunter first. You heard that from Lloyd. I thought he was great in this game, quite frankly. Uh, Hunter, 18 points to lead the team. It's not even necessarily about that, although that's definitely a product of it. It's good to see him being assertive and aggressive offensively. Obviously, all of the talk, I won't say all, a lot of the talk about Hunter is about his defense. And I think defensively, last season, he definitely underachieved compared to expectations. Offensively, though, I thought he was pretty solid for the most part. And today, he was uh, even I mean, I was leaps and bounds better. Obviously, it's a small sample size, but the fact that he was attacking the rim, there was one just no hesitation uh, rim attack down the lane for a finish through contact for a three-point play. That was really encouraging. He's a good cutter. He flashed out a little bit in this game. Um, the 18 points speak for themselves, but getting the line eight times is really, really encouraging. Just playing with aggressive aggressiveness, playing with assertion. I think defensively, he was more active as well. Had a block shot in this game. Was just kind of in passing lanes more often. Um, that's not necessarily a strength for his right now, in terms of defensive playmaking, but he was definitely, you could tell... Um, trying to do more of that. Some, that's something they've been trying to get him to do for quite some time. But uh, the long offseason seems to be working out well for him. Obviously, a small sample size there again. But I thought he played very, very, very well in this game and a nice data point for DeAndre pretty much across the board. Um, elsewhere... In this game, I want to talk about Bogdanovich now because uh, Lloyd talked about um, the play of Gallinari and Bogdanovich together. We always talked about Gallinari already, already on the podcast, but Bogdanovich was—you uh, know—the numbers were not incredible in this game. Nine points, five—sorry, uh, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, perfect from the floor, one of five from three. I thought he played pretty well. He was actually a uh, second best on the team, plus ten. Ironically, it was the two new additions. Gallinari was plus 14 and Bogdanovich was plus 10. They were the two best plus minus guys in this game. This doesn't always tell you everything, but there you go on that. But anyway, I wanted to play what Lloyd said about his two new additions and Bogdanovich and Gallinari.
1: I'm just happy we got him. Um, You know... (laughs) Again, the makes and misses, are, are we'll, we'll be fine there. We'll be fine making shots. Uh, you know, Gallo Gallo is going to do what he does. He's going to draw the defense. He's going to be able to get to the free throw line. And if you play off of him, he's going to be a knockdown guy. But he's just a cerebral player. Uh, you know, he and Trey had one play where they kind of played a two-man game, uh, which was pretty, pretty good to see. Um, they're already developing that. And that's going to be the issue. You got a four-man guarding Gallo. He switches on to Trey. Trey can attack fours, and Gallo can take advantage of smalls. And so we'll, we'll be able to figure those things out. I'm not worried about Bogey making shots. He, he's uh, already become one of our hardest post practice workers, and he does it at game speed. So I trust the work, I trust the shooting. It, it, those things will, will happen for him, but they're just getting used to each other. That's all.
0: From there, three more guys to get to touch on on this podcast. And of course, they are Collins, Capella, and Young. Uh, Collins I thought was playing well in this game. 14 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, a block, an assist. Did have 4 turnovers. I thought John pressed a little bit at times, but I thought he played quite well. Um, he was efficient. 4 ticks on the floor, 5-6 on the free throw line. Didn't do anything crazy in terms of by his uh, his own baseline, but I thought he just plugged the gaps there were, some, there were some overlap questions about Collins and Capella in this game, some early season jitter stuff. You know, guys, there was one play in the first quarter where both Collins and Capella rolled almost at the same time into each other, which is going to happen on occasion with, with two guys who are used to doing a lot of that. Um, they staggered them a little bit as well, which I thought was a smart move. By the staff, I would still be doing that quite a bit, especially right now without a Kong Wu. Collins is your best backup center by a, by a long shot, obviously. Um, so just having Capella and Collins out there on the floor almost at all times is probably a good idea to have that sort of high-end role man for the team to play with. But I thought he played well. Um, no real complaints defensively, he was okay, uh, nothing huge to stand out, but good activity, two steals and a block as well, that's what you want to see, um, and especially from, from John as a playmaker defensively, so no complaints at all, I thought he played quite well in this game. Capella made a huge impact on the glass, he had 8 points and 14 rebounds, 5 on the offensive glass, 9 on the defensive glass, uh, and by the way, combined, Collins and Capella had 9 offensive rebounds, the Magic only had 10 as a team, so... Collins has been a strength of his for a long time, but Capella is a great rebounder, period, both up to the floor. I don't think his offensive rebounding is a huge emphasis point, but it's something he does do quite well and uh, it's a nice bonus to have. He's just very active. You know, everyone kind of pointed the fact after the game's over that Capella's not necessarily ready to go yet. Um, Pierce said that Capella asked to go back in, and Pierce kind of just told him, you know, we can't get it all back in one day kind of thing, which is funny. But he hasn't played in even longer. Capella, I mean, all these guys have have not played in a long time. But Capella has not played in almost a year. So it's been a while. He looked good to me. He looked crisp to me. I thought he was pretty active. And uh, you can already see the gap between what the Hawks had last year and what Capella brings. So you don't want to overstate it either, but he's a good player. He was already uh ready to go. And uh there you have it. Last guy to touch on is Trey Young, the best player on the team, of course. It was not Trey's best game statistically by any means. Seven points, six, six assists. Two rebounds and a steal to go along with six turnovers. He was 2 of 9 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, and 3 of 4 from the free throw line. You know, I'm not worried about Trey Young at all. Uh, He's really good. Um, He was not great in this game by his standards, and it was sort of, uh, you know, you have to ask about it. But uh, he talked to the media, didn't seem concerned at all. He said he was really excited to play with these guys. Same exact thing that you would expect there. I did ask, though, and actually you'll hear my voice momentarily on the recording, but I asked Lloyd what he thought of the way that Trey played, so I want to play that for you now. What did you make of the way that Trey played? Uh, Obviously not, you know, huge numbers from him, but is he just getting adjusted to having all these new weapons?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I I think the more he's playing with our new guys and the more uh, opportunities that we're going to be able to create, the game is probably going to simplify, become simplified for him. Um, You know, he's he's a floater guy, and I think we're going to be able to create you know, kick out threes and corner threes and get to the rim. And we know we can get lobs, but, you know, we can simplify it and we can also do it by creating some high-efficient shots if, uh, if we can get on the same page. And, and I think he's going to start seeing that. He's getting off the ball a lot earlier. He had more kick-aheads in this game tonight. He had more reversals in this game tonight um, because of who he has on the floor and he trusts those guys already. So I, I think the game's going to become a lot more simplified for him and I think he's going to have fun with it.
0: I would echo what Lloyd said there. I mean, it's very clear that they were trying to get Trey off the ball in this game intentionally. It's a good time to experiment experiment a little bit with, with that. It's been a topic all offseason long about maybe Trey playing off the ball a little bit more. I would I would definitely stress that Trey Young is an elite pick and roll operator and you want to do that as much as possible. So there's a happy medium. I think in this game, they need to play they probably need to run more pick and roll to actually, you know, succeed. But for what the game Means which is nothing in the standings. It's a great time to experiment, uh, sort of defer a little bit, be under control. Uh, Trey mentioned actually after the game that in the first half he was playing too fast, etc. I thought he played better in the second half. He's more under control, but it's a, it's not a concern. It's one of those things where this is what the preseason's for in a lot of ways, especially with a shortened training camp go out there and kind of intentionally play differently than you might play later on. I think ultimately if the Hawks are trying to win and the games matter and he's, and he's playing that little on the pick and roll, that's not, that's not ideal. And I said, as someone who wants him to get off the ball a little bit more, but he's still an awesome pick and roll player that has to have the ball in his hands a little bit more. So they'll find that medium. I'm not worried about it, but I wanted to at least ask Lloyd to see what he said about it because it was pretty clear that he had the ball in his hands so much less in this game. And he'll have it in his hands less overall because Last season, he had to do so much that it was almost untenable. This time around, though, he has so many other options, which you heard you definitely hear Lloyd say that in that answer, but um, Trey's going to have to figure out that happy medium. So is Lloyd. So I have faith that they'll do it. No worries for me whatsoever in this game. And I thought Trey probably wasn't as bad as the numbers indicated, but uh, not his best performance. Who cares necessarily because <laughs> he's so good. Um, I w- I'm not worried at all, but I wanted to sort of end up with him as I often do in breaking down the Hawks. So... All things considered, a uh, productive night. Again, I think that the most important takeaways from this, from this game are pretty positive. I think Gallinari looked good, but much did what you think he's going to do. The young wings especially, all three of them really, Herter, Hunter, and, and Reddish did things very, very well. I think particularly Hunter uh, was a standout, and even Herter had some nice flashes as well. Yeah, they all did. Honestly, all three of those guys played well, and it was good to see that. And then Capella made made the mark that you think he'll make. Collins played well. Young will be fine. Yeah, it's a pretty good night overall. I know the Hawks lost this game. That does not matter at all. And I think, honestly, if, if the Hawks had been trying to win this game, down the stretch, they probably would have won it, or at least come a little bit closer than they actually did. So... No concerns there. These two teams will be back in action on Sunday evening at State Farm Arena, 5 p.m. start, by the way, for that one. But I can definitely sense the Hawks fans are excited. We'll see if that carries over to this one. The regular season is still you know, only 12 days away as I'm recording this, so we're getting close to the games that actually matter. Um, same you know, sort of rematch on Sunday, and then the Hawks go to Memphis next week. But stay tuned for all of that. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please, please, please subscribe to the podcast or tell your friends or both. And we'll see you after the game on Sunday.